Hi, this is The Gathering Church in Windsor, Ontario, and I'm Pastor Garth Lino. Welcome to our podcast. Thank you, Dave. We'd like to receive the, uh, the morning offering now, so if uh, you would like to prepare, our ushers, I think, are ready to come and receive the offering as we get started into the message this morning. We have immersed ourselves here at the gathering in the book of Galatians, and so if you have your Bible or your Bible app ready to go, would you please open them to Galatians chapter 3 this morning. Galatians chapter 3. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, bam, there's Galatians right there. So Galatians chapter 3 is our text. Galatians has been called the Magna Carta of Christian liberty. It, it, it is the manifesto of Christian freedom. Galatians stands strong and tall against any attack at the heart of the gospel. One New Testament scholar has said, few books have more profoundly influenced the minds of men, have so significantly shaped the course of human history, or continue to speak with such relevance to the deepest needs of modern life. He was talking about the book of Galatians when he said that. And in addition to that, I would say that Galatians is God's reminder to the gathering that we are in constant danger of false assurances. Satan is continually at work tempting us to think and to feel that just because we use God words once in a while, at least on Sunday, and and we come to church, and and we pray at mealtime, and we put money in the offering, that, that somehow we are under God's blessing. That's a form of false assurance. The book of Galatians addresses a group of people called Judaizers who did all of these things, and yet they were living under the curse of God. None of us can sit easily under the scrutiny of the book of Galatians because it's all about divine curse and divine blessing according to Galatians chapter 3, verses 9 and 10. Galatians 3, 9 says, So then, those who are of faith are blessed, along with Abraham, the man of faith. But those who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. And so, you see, at this point in the letter of Galatians, it's a matter of a blessing or cursing. <laughs> are you living under the blessing of God, or are you living under the curse of God? If you're living by faith, then you're living under the blessing of God. If you're living according to the works of the law, then you live under the curse of God. Those who live by faith are blessed. Those who live by law are cursed. And the continental divide between these two is not between people who go to church and those who don't. Nor is it between people who call Jesus Lord and those who don't. Rather, it is between those on the one hand who have been crucified with Christ 
and now live in continuing daily reliance on Christ, and those, on the other hand, who have never died to self-reliance and whose religious activity, no matter how moral or intense it might be, it's an all-out exercise in self-reformation. That's the distinction that Paul is drawing here. And it's an important one. The one group glories only in the cross of Christ by which they died to all but God. And the other group extols the powers and potential of the human self to the exclusion of the cross and the grace of Christ. The one group of, dare I say it, church members. The one group of church members enjoys the blessing of God promised to Abraham because they're living by faith. And the other group of church members, dare I say it, are living under a divine curse. Now, I, 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 I do need your help with something this morning. Can you help me? What is two plus two? Four. And what is four plus four? Eight. Good. What is eight plus eight? Sixteen. Okay, let's go for gold. What is sixteen plus sixteen? Thirty-two. Simple addition is fundamental to a right understanding of mathematics, isn't it? Of course it is. And a careful consideration of our text is fundamental to a right understanding of our relationship with God. This is a critically important text in Galatians chapter 3, verses 10 to 14. So let's have a look. Let's have a deeper look at this text this morning. Pastor Phil did a masterful job of introducing the first part of this chapter last week. Didn't he do a good job? Did a great job. And so now we continue and build on that, looking at verses 10 through 14. For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law, for the righteous shall live by faith. But the law is not of faith. Rather, the one who does them shall live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. And Jesus, of course, was hanged on a tree. He was nailed to a cross. So that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised Spirit through faith. So, friends, these verses describe how a person can enter the favor and fellowship of God. They, they describe how a man or, or woman can step into the kindness and companionship uh, of God and live there joyfully for the rest of their lives. Some of you didn't even know that was a possibility. And the obvious question this morning is, How? How in the world does that happen? How, how, can, how can a person have fellowship with God? How, how do we come into the, the blessing and the friendship of the King of Kings? 
the one who put it all together, the, the one who keeps it all together by the power of his word. We get, to, we get to experience his favor and his blessing? Yes. But how? Well, there seem to be two options presented in our text this morning. So what's the first option? Well, the first option is that we, we enter the favor and fellowship of God by works. And, you know, we've studied Galatians enough to know that that's probably really not an option, but he, he sort of presents it as a, as a possibility. At least according to the way that some people live. Galatians 3.10. All who rely on works of the law. So there were. There were people that were relying on the works of the law. These Judaizers. The guys that came along said, well, yes, you, you need faith in Jesus, but you also have to be circumcised. Or you need to keep the law of Moses. You're not eating right. You guys are eating pork. You shouldn't eat pork. It's not right. And all those kinds of things. Those who rely on works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed be everyone, everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. So Paul is quoting from the Old Testament book of Deuteronomy here, where a solemn curse is pronounced on everyone who fails to keep every jot and tittle of the law. Isn't it true that we like to think of a God who blesses us and loves us and cares for us and protects us. We don't like to think of the other side of his character very much at all. But God is not some generic, sentimental, old grandfather who sits on his heavenly porch in his rocking chair doling out candies to the neighborhood kids. Rather, he's a, he's a righteous God of all the earth. And, and he will do what is right. He's loving and kind and gracious and good, yes. But he's also strong and mighty and omnipotent and omniscient and omnipresent. He's the almighty King of kings and Lord of lords. And disobedience always brings us under the curse of God and always exposes us to the awful penalties of his judgment. And, and the point is, if, if you rely on works of the law to save you, if you're relying on your ability to, to, to keep all the commandments, you know, one through ten and all the rest, if, you, if, you're, if you're relying on that to, to get you to heaven, if you rely on your own effort and keep the law of God for your salvation, if that's what you're about, then you are under divine obligation to abide by all things, all things in the law, not some, not a cafeteria style. Oh, I think I'll, I like that one. I like that. But all, all things. You, you have to keep all the laws of the Old Testament. All of them. All of them. Because God's standard for salvation by works has always been perfection. Did you know that? His standard for salvation by works has been perfection. And that means that if you're, going to, if you're going to seek your salvation by keeping the law, then you have to keep every single bit of the law. You don't have a choice. He requires nothing less than total, absolute, unmitigated obedience to the entire law. And not one person on earth 
has ever been able to do that. Not a single person, not one, not ever, not now, not then, not in the future. It has never happened. And it's written in James 2.10, whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point, just one, is guilty of breaking all of it. Whoa. Whoa. And to quote from the Shorter Catechism, no mere man since the fall is able in this life perfectly to keep the commandments of God, but doth daily break them in thought, in word, in deed. So what hope is there for people who are seeking salvation by works? If it's true, I mean, if it is true that everyone, without exception, that everyone is condemned by the curse of the law, then why would anyone ever try to keep the law for their salvation? Why, why would anybody try to get salvation by keeping the law? Why? <laughs> That's exactly Paul's point. It's pointless. Oh, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you into thinking that for even a single solitary second you could gain salvation by doing stuff. It doesn't work that way. That's Paul's point. So the first option clearly is not an option. This is like psychology 101. You, know, you present your kids with two options. You know, Either I tan your hide to within an inch of, or you obey. <laughs> I think I'll take obedience, mommy. We cannot enter the favor and fellowship of God by works. Can't. So what's the second option? We enter the favor and fellowship of God by faith. Let's look again at these verses, verses 11 through 14. Now it's evident that no one is justified before God by the law. I think he's proved that. For the righteous shall live by faith. But the law is not of faith. Rather, the one who does them shall live by them. So the law is not a matter of faith. It's a matter of doing and keeping all of the commandments of the Old Testament. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. So that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles. We're Gentiles. So that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. So this option now, this alternative, introduces Jesus to the reader and to the listener when they listen to that letter being read in the churches of Galatia. Uh, Jesus is introduced. It tells us that Jesus has done for us what we could never do for ourselves. He lived the life we could never live. He died the death we could never die. He did for us what we could never do for ourselves. The curse of God was the result of man's disobedience, but the burden of the curse was lifted from us by the cross of Christ. The only way to escape the curse is by His work and not ours. The only way to escape condemnation is by the work of God, not by ours. The only way to, 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 to gain freedom and liberty in life is, is through His work and not ours. 
The only way to escape the curse is through the blood of Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. Jesus redeemed us from the curse of the law. That's what it says. He ransomed us. He, he set us free from the awful bondage to which the curse of the law had brought us. The curse was transferred from us to Him. He is our substitute. He died in our place. He took upon Himself the curse that rested upon our shoulders. He, he took it voluntarily upon Himself in order to deliver us from it. question is, why? Why did He do that? Verse 14. So that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to us Gentiles, so that we might receive the promised Spirit through faith. Now, he's giving us a part to represent the whole. To receive the promised spirit through faith is to receive the entire enchilada. That's the whole, the full meal deal. When you receive the spirit through faith, he's pointing at this larger experience of salvation that comes to us when we receive Christ by faith. And the promised Spirit of God comes to live and dwell inside of us. So believers in Jesus don't simply receive forgiveness for their sins when they come to God through faith in Jesus Christ. Although that would be enough, wouldn't it? Wouldn't that be enough? I mean, just the, the promise that, that my sins could be forgiven and my slate wiped clean and God look upon me with favor and love in His eyes. I mean, that'd be enough. I'm ready to sign up. I'd be at the front of the line, pushing Don out of the way. Get out of my way. I want to be first. I want to be the first to sign up for that. I want my sins forgiven. Oh man, there's so many of them. I, I, I want to be. I need to be. I must be forgiven for my sins. And if that was all He promised, sign me up. Where do I pay? <laughs> you can't. <laughs> that's, the whole, that's the whole thing. It's free. Even better. Don, get out of my way. I want to be first. It's free. <laughs> but the thing is, verse 14 says, it's not only forgiveness. We not only have our sins forgiven, we actually have the living presence of God dwelling inside of us. The Spirit of God actually comes to dwell inside of you. Wow. Wow. Believers in Jesus not only receive forgiveness for their sins, they also get to enjoy the indwelling presence of God. Huh. And I, was, I would have settled for forgiveness. <laughs> I, was, I was good to go at, you're forgiven. I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I can live the rest of my life on that. And, but on top of that, the living Spirit of God comes to dwell inside of my life. I got goosebumps just thinking about that. That's amazing. And how does that happen? Salvation comes to us by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Ephesians 2, 8, 9. For by grace 
By grace, God's grace, you've been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves. The salvation isn't of yourself. The faith isn't of yourselves. They come as gifts from God so that nobody can boast. You can't boast about a thing. You can't boast about your faith because your faith is a gift. You can't boast about your salvation because your salvation is a gift. You can't boast about your decision because your decision isn't even undergirded by the power of God. And when you're saved by grace through faith, the Holy Spirit comes to dwell inside of you. I could get a little excited about that, Roger. I could. But I, I won't. Not today. A few years ago, the Chicago Bears football team uh, posted a series of videos on their website depicting um, what it was like for the rookies, the new guys on the team, to come to training camp. And uh, they followed, these videos followed uh, the Bears right through the preseason. Well, one of the videos showed the talk that the coach gave the first day uh, to all the rookie players. Now, rookies know that the team roster is around 80 players. About 80 guys come to training camp. Within a couple of weeks, they trim the, the number from 80 to about 65. And then before the season actually begins, every NFL team is required to trim their roster down to 53. So you can imagine the competition, right, at training camp. So that day, as the coach spoke to the rookies, he challenged them and said, make us put you on the team. Make us put you on the team. In other words, get out there and play so well and hit so hard and pass so accurately and block so well that you take the decision out of the coach's hands. The coaches have absolutely no option but to put you on the team. Make us put you on the team. Get out there and perform so well that we absolutely have to put you on the team. Thing is, most religions and most people in the world think that God makes a similar speech to those who are looking to get into heaven. You want to make the team and have eternal life? Then make me put you on the team. You get out there and, and play so well and play so hard and, and perform so good and give so much and, 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 and sign up for so many programs and give so much money and do so many good deeds and so, say so many Our Fathers and Hail Marys that I could not imagine rejecting you. Make me put you on the team. <laughs> but the thing is, the counterintuitive truth is that God works on a completely different basis than football teams do. People who think they can perform so well that they can make God let them into heaven, put them on God's heaven's roster, because they're so deserving, will ultimately be rejected. They're living under the curse of Galatians. The curse of trying to get salvation and keep salvation by their works. This idea of salvation by works, that's what this is. And it's the opposite of salvation by grace. For by grace, you have been saved through faith. And it's the gift of God. Faith is laying hold of Christ 
personally. Faith is embracing Christ for yourself. Faith is, is, is saying, I believe in what Jesus has done on the cross. I believe that Jesus was buried and came out of the grave alive on the third day. I believe. That's what faith is. Have you done that? Have you laid hold of Christ like that? Has Christ laid hold of you? The challenge, I, I think the challenge of this passage is really straightforward. We must renounce the proud folly of supposing that we can establish our own righteousness and make ourselves acceptable to God by what we do. Instead, we must come humbly to the cross where Christ bore our curse, where He took upon Himself the sin of the world. That's my sin and your sin. We need to come to that place where we just humbly say, Lord, I don't really understand it all, but I trust You and I believe it. Help me now to live in it. Help me to walk out this truth. We enter the favor and fellowship of God by by faith. We are His portion. And He is our prize. Drawn to redemption by the grace in His eyes. He loves us. And He proved it by sending Jesus to the cross. So what are we doing trying to prove to Him that we can do this on our own. That's just nuts. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, our hearts are filled with peace, overflowing with praise this morning as we consider, Lord, what you have done for us. We have a need that we could never meet We have an illness that we could never heal. Lord, we have a debt we could never repay. By the one single sacrifice for sins, you took care of everything. And your death on the cross was good for all time. And now we are righteous for all time by faith in your finished work on the cross and not by works, but by faith in you. Lord Jesus, by, by dying in our place on the cross, you, you guaranteed the Father will complete the good work of salvation that He began in us. And nothing, nothing can derail the process or snatch us from Your hand. Nothing in all creation now can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. We are Your portion by faith. And you are our prize by faith. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, and amen. Amen. As we sing our closing song this morning, it might be extremely helpful for some of you to to nail this. You know, like just plant a flag and say, on this day, I, I, I secured it by saying to the Lord, I, I will not try to gain your favor by performing.
I'm done with that. It's, it's by faith in Christ, and I, I will live by grace. So we want to invite you to come and pray this morning. To come to, to respond to the call of God, to the Spirit's wooing in your life. Come and lay hold of Jesus and let Him lay hold of you. Welcome Jesus to, to embrace you as you embrace Him. Enter the favor and fellowship of God by faith in a fresh way this morning. Declare your allegiance to Jesus. Lay down your works and your weapons at the foot of the cross and just express your love for Him. What a great, what a great opportunity to do that. Say, Lord, I, I just love you and I embrace the grace that is available to me today. Why not? I was just saying to Dave before, before I came up to preach, you know, that it, it's those times when I've, I've, I've physically done something. I've gone to an altar of prayer or placed a rock of Ebenezer in a growing mountain of, as an altar. I remember doing that once. And I remember stepping into the James River in Alberta to be baptized. All of those physical acts of you know, declaring my faith. And so this morning, we're giving you a, a really simple opportunity to do that. We're going to have three or four teams of people who are going to be up here at the front and ready to receive you and just pray very briefly with you. Not an extended time of counseling or, or, or advice giving, just, just affirmation. That He loves us. And He loves you. And He cares about you. And He doesn't want to see you struggling under the, the curse of the law, trying to keep the law day in and day out. He wants to see you free because you have been given freedom in Christ. So live in it. Walk in it. Allow these men to, and women to pray for you, lay hands on you, and just affirm you in the name of Jesus. Those who live by faith are blessed by God. Those who glory only in the cross of Christ are blessed by God. But those who are insistent on doing it their own way, in their own strength, according to their own power, not so blessed, not so happy, not so free. So why don't you come this morning and just let us pray over you. Let, let God be God. Let God have His way. There is power in the name of Jesus. And He loves you. He loves you so much.